Welcome to Bike Med. These are podcasts on biking medicine from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretson uh, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. I'm here with a very good friend of mine, uh, Ken Deaver, who's a very expert biker. He comes to us from Southern California and teaches a lot of uh, biking. One of the neat things about him is he rides with one of his friends, and his friend has had a couple of injuries, which I thought would be interesting for us just to hear and how Ken decided to treat it. How are you doing, Ken? Hey, Rich. Thanks for asking. I'm doing well. So my friend, his name is Brian. He's a 53-year-old male. He's a very aggressive rider. And the first injury that he sustained when I was riding with him was he fell off a small cliff and rolled across some bushes. And Ken, almost... let me ask you a question while you're doing that. Where were you and what was the trail like? So this was in Southern California. This was an expert downhill trail. And he had just jumped off a cliff intentionally, but then he was going too fast. And so he flew over Berman almost off another cliff. I hope he was wearing a helmet. He was absolutely wearing a full face helmet, uh, which is appropriate for that kind of riding. So he slid across the ground and fell into a bush and ended up scraping a bunch of skin off his forearm. It was very dirty and bloody, and he had a cut. Did, was it a really bad bleed? Did you have to do anything emergently? Did you have to stop the bleeding, or was it, had it stopped on its own? The bleeding seemed to have stopped on its own, and so I thought the fastest way to get him medical care would just be to finish the trail since we were far from our cars. Hey, Ken, were you carrying any bandages with you? I had 4 by 4 gauze, and that was it. Did you put the gauze on? I did put the gauze on, and then I wrapped it with athletic tape around his forearm. And uh, that kept it. Did you clean it before you put it on, or you just thought you'd get back to the car and clean it? I just thought I'd get back to the car and clean it, so I didn't irrigate it at that point. What happened after that? So I used the rest of my Camelback just to hydrate myself, and then once we got back to the car, we had additional water there, and I poured all the water, which was a few liters, on his wounds and scrubbed them down with more 4x4 pads. And then uh, did you dress it there at, at your car? Then I did dress at the car. I had some topical antibiotic ointment, which I put on it, and then I put more clean 4x4s on, and I told him to go to urgent care so he could get a tetanus shot and see if they would consider closing that wound. So it needed a, a suture or stitches? It was debatable. Generally, very, very contaminated wounds we leave open because closing them may lead to infection, but I wanted to have someone who's not his friend make that call. Well, I know that you're a doctor, Ken, and that's probably a good idea. How did the how did the wound fare after that? What happened? He did end up going to urgent care. He got caught up on his tetanus shot, and they did decide not to close it because it was so dirty initially, and it scarred over, and it healed just fine with what no. What do you mean by scarring over? What does that mean? So he now has some red spots on his elbows from all of his multiple crashes, including that one, and so his forearms and his elbows have somewhat thinner, scarred-looking skin. So did they, uh, when, what would be your advice to kind of a, a big abrasion like this, uh, how you dress it and how often you clean it and what do you do? I would say clean that wound with a lot of water as soon as possible. The exception to that would be if you need that water to safely get back to your vehicle on a hot day, it's better that you drink it rather than waste it all to clean a wound if it's going to be a risk for you to get dehydrated on the way back to your car. That said, once you're back to a car where you could simply drive to buy more water or you have more water in your car, you need to use a lot of water to clean a wound. Any water that's safe enough to drink, clean enough to drink, is clean enough to clean a wound with. That's really excellent advice. So the wound got dressed, and um, 
what do you know, what advice would you give us about keeping wound moist or keeping it clean after that? If you don't keep a wound moist, it will take longer to heal. It may form a scab, which contrary to popular belief, is not helpful for wound healing. Um, and it'll more likely get infected and or scar over after that. Well, that's really good advice. So what do you carry with you when you go biking, Ken? In my camelback, I will carry 4x4 gauze. I'll carry some kind of way to apply that gauze, so either a co-band dressing or athletic tape or an ace wrap, something of that nature. And then I'll carry either Vaseline or a topical antibiotic ointment, generally speaking. So uh, uh, Vaseline works. Uh, does it have to be an antibiotic ointment you put on? It doesn't necessarily have to be an antibiotic ointment. However, there's a slightly reduced risk of infection when using that over Vaseline. And so especially for these contaminated wounds that have a lot of dirt and dust from falling while mountain biking, it might be preferred to use something like an antibiotic ointment or a honey over Vaseline. Did, that, did his wound get infected? It healed correctly, kept it moist, and cleaned it, right? His wound healed acceptably. It was a little bit of scarring, like I said, but there was no infection. He did keep it moist. And the next time I saw him, it was pretty much healed over. Now you told me about your, uh, your friend before, and I, I don't remember the story, but uh, he had a pretty bad fall on, a, on another trip that you were on. Am I right? That's right, Rich. So Brian is an aggressive rider, and he likes to hit everything that he's riding at full speed. So he hit about a 20-foot step down and way over-cleared it. And so he tried to hit that jump again and land more on the appropriate landing ramp, but he went too slow. So his front wheel hit the front side of the landing ramp, and he flew over the handlebars going about 20 or 25 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Did, did he get knocked out, or did he injure himself? I got to him about 30 seconds after the injury, and he said that he didn't have a headache, and he didn't think that he lost consciousness, and he remembered what had happened, and he remembered being midair and realizing that he wasn't going to make the landing. Well, so far, I mean, it's a bad injury, but he sounds okay. Did he remember anything else? He seemed okay at that point, and he got up, and he went and looked at the jump, and he kind of examined it. I told him we should go have a snack. And then when we went to have a snack and a rest, and he took his helmet off, he suddenly didn't know where he was or why we were there, and he only knew his name and my name. So he had forgotten some things. Oh, my gosh, that doesn't sound good. No, it was pretty scary. He started to questioned me repeatedly where we were and what had happened, and I told him that he had crashed on his bike, and he asked where, and I pointed out the jump to him, which he had already gone and examined, and he repeatedly asked me over and over what had happened and where we were. So um, that sounds like a concussion. Is that what you thought? Yes, sir. That was a very obvious concussion indeed, and so I tried to get him to go back to his car. The safest thing to do in that case would be to be checked out by a physician. Wow. So uh, were you worried about uh, like a neck injury or something else? What did you do to make sure he didn't have any other major injuries? He was a little bit uncooperative with me, and so I couldn't examine it as fully as I would like, but he seemed to be moving his neck normally, and he was standing on his own two feet, and he even got on his bike and started riding down the hill against my advice. So he's riding down the hill now. Did he put his helmet back on? He did put his helmet back on, fortunately. And I realize even though it's not particularly safe for him to be riding his bike when he just had an obvious concussion, it was the fastest way down the hill, and he wasn't listening to me anyway. 
And so I just rode alongside him to make sure he didn't sustain further injury. Did you try to slow him down? I did. I told him to brake constantly, and we did go at a pretty slow pace down the rest of the hill. How far down was the hill to get to the car? I think it would have taken about 45 minutes walking, but on a bike it took about 15 or 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So uh, you made a big judgment call there to make sure that the, so you're saying the, 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 the best way in this case to safety was the fastest way, which is riding rather than walking, and you felt comfortable with that. That, sound, that sounds uh, good to me, but, boy, that had to have been scared. Were you a little nervous? I was a little nervous. I felt like I was caught between a rock and a hard place because I did want him to get back down to the vehicles as soon as possible, but it's also, like I said, pretty unsafe to be balancing on a bike after you've just sustained a concussion because a second concussion within a brief period of time after a first concussion can be particularly dangerous. Oh, judgment call. So he got down safely, I take it. That's right. We got back to the vehicles, and I offered to drive his vehicle for him since I didn't trust him to drive, even though he started to act normally and was more oriented once we got back down to the vehicles. Well, that's a scary situation to come across uh, 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 one of your racers or one of your friends that has crashed and you think that that person may have a concussion, uh, briefly tell us what what we should look for uh, in a concussion and what should happen, and then end by telling us what happened to your friend. So signs of a concussion would be a person might be confused. They may not remember what had happened. They may lose consciousness, but they may not. They might have some nausea or even vomit. They may have poor balance. They may have extra pronounced emotions like crying or getting angry for no reason. Those are the typical signs of a concussion. So if you see any of those signs, that person needs to go to the hospital and get checked out by a physician. What happened with Brian in the days and weeks following his injury is I told him not to return to exercise and physical activity very quickly, but within just a matter of days, he tried to go to the gym and work out, which caused all of his symptoms to come back, such as brain fog, which is slow, maybe a little bit confused thinking, feeling generally bad, and a throbbing headache. So they, this is, what do they call this uh, situation? If that persists for months, that would be post-concussion syndrome. In the short term, it seemed to be temporary symptoms because his did resolve with additional what we call brain rest. So what, what do you do if, if, if a rider crashes, gets a concussion, goes to the hospital, then goes home, and they start to see these kinds of things? What do you do at that point? So if symptoms of a concussion return after they've been checked out, they do need to go back probably to primary care doctor and be checked out once again at that point. If they're not having any symptoms, we like to follow return to work or return to play protocol, which just means each day for at least one day at a time, they do only very, very slightly more than they did the previous day. For example, the first day after concussion, doing nothing at all, resting in a dark room, no screen time, no TV, no computer, no phone, no exercise, just simply resting. And the next day you do a little bit more, a little bit on your phone, maybe a little bit of TV. And the third day, maybe even a little more, a brief jog, some mild physical activity, some mild cognitive activity, perhaps checking emails or, or whatever you need to do the fourth day, et cetera, et cetera, until after about a week, you're back to doing normal things except for high-risk activities that would cause another concussion. That needs to wait about a month. After that week or so of the return to work or return to play protocol, it is advisable that an athlete return to a physician to be checked out one last time to be cleared to return to regular activities and sports. 
It's an interesting uh, discussion, Ken, and uh, your friend's doing okay now? Brian finally started riding with me again recently, and he's still taking it cautiously, but he is getting his confidence back, he's getting his skills back, and he's just about back to where he was before his injury. So in, in review, uh, you're going to get scrapes and you might get a concussion. Just any final advice uh, you have out of Brian's and your own experience? Always, always, always wear a helmet when you're biking. It is fortunately a normal part of mountain biking culture to wear a helmet, but I see a lot of BMX riders not wear helmets because it's not as widespread part of the BMX culture. Always wear a helmet when you ride bikes. Skate park, trails, road, anywhere. That said, wearing a helmet doesn't give you the ability to ride outside of your limits as that's still dangerous, so you should always progress slowly despite what kind of safety gear you may be wearing and always ride within your limits. That's very wise advice, and um, these are very common injuries, scrapes and concussions, and I, I, I now know more about how to watch for these things and uh, how to treat them and especially how to prevent them. Thanks for taking the time to come and giving these interesting stories. This ends this podcast, and thank you for listening. <laughs>